to the duties of the priesthood as I, God, says. Do it the way I wrote it and everything will be good. Be obedient. Isn't it funny how sometimes as people, as Christians, we tend to have an instruction book, we read it, and yet we decide to do things our own way. But we want to tweak it a little bit. We want to change it up. And sometimes that little bit of a change will throw you completely off course. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 4 that Eli the priest had poor vision and was grossly out of shape. Instead of being diligent in his priestly duties, Eli was lazy and his physical body gave proof to that fact. Even worse, Eli never took the time to discipline his sons. Though the Lord sent warnings to Eli, the priest did not listen. Eventually, Eli's sons were killed and the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol of God's presence, was taken captive by the Philistines. In today's message, Pastor Mark teaches us that when we veer away from the Lord's protective instructions and disobedience, we sign ourselves up for much hurt and heartache. Well, let's join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive from 1 Samuel chapter 4. Verse 12 of 1 Samuel chapter 4, it says, Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And now when he came, there was Eli sitting on the seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. And then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. And then it happened, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off his seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now, if you remember from last week, we talked about a couple of things that were taking place, that the Israelites go, and, and they're going to battle, and, and they're going to go battle the Philistines, and they get kind of beat up. They lose about 4,000 men of that time. And so they decide what they're going to do is they're going to grab, they need something, and, and they probably, Hophni and Phineas probably thought, hey, you know, last time we went to battle, or back in our history, they would take the Ark of the Covenant out and march around Jericho or whatever it was. And, and we always won. So let's do that. So these two clowns, Hophni and Phineas, and, and I call them clowns because of the way they treated the things of God. And so what they do is they run in and they go into the Holy of Holies and they grab the Ark of the Covenant and they take, march it out to the battlefield as if that is their good luck charm. And we called last week's message, you know, rabbit foot theology. Um, sometimes we 
try to put God in that box and think that by us asking and telling God what we want, that we're going to get what we want. And so that doesn't always happen unless it's according to God's will. We know that when we pray. If we pray according to his will, it'll be done. And so we sometimes do that as Christians. We tend to pray for the things that we really want, and it may not be God's will for us to have those things. And so God gives Eli a righteous warning a few weeks ago. He says, you know, get your house in order. Because, you know, one of the things you have to ask is, how did God's glory go? How did his glory go? And so Eli got a warning from a prophet, and then also the Lord had told young Samuel the same message and said, hey, you know, you've got to tell Eli this. You've got to tell the high priest this, and, and he's, he's got to know, or the judge. You've got to tell Eli this stuff. And so he tells him. And so God's righteous warning for Eli was, get your house in order, your two son, or your two sons will die on the same day. Get your house in order, your two sons are going to die on the same day. And remember, we went back and we looked at Jonah because the Ninevites got the same message from Jonah. Hey, go to Nineveh and tell them to, you know, in 40 days they're going to die. And in the, in the whole town of Nineveh, the whole place of Nineveh, they threw sackcloth cloth and ashes all over themselves and they even put it on their cows and it was a great repentance and the Lord spared them. Well, Eli just is kind of like, well, whatever God wants, let him do. Whatever's good, that's cool with me. And so it happens. And so today we see that it happens. But God did not add to that anything. You know, he did not add to that that the thing that matters most was the ark of God would be taken and held captive. God didn't add that to the message that he gave to Eli. And so here in verse 12 we see that, if you look there with me, that the man of Benjamin, then a man of Benjamin from the battle line the same day, came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And so Eli knew that his sons had entered the Holy of Holies and was unable to stop them, just as in years past he was unable to stop them, unable to control them. And though God's earthly throne had been cheapened and transformed into a good luck charm, he still sat, God still sits on his heavenly throne. You know, it's amazing what people will do. They, you know, take God to court and and some of those cases just make me laugh, you know, that people are suing God. And it's like, you can't sue God. I mean, he owes you nothing. You really honestly think he's going to pay that? He paid, he paid that a long time ago. But yet people want to take God to court and sue him. It's, and it's almost just, well, it's the point of the matter, you know, and that's what they're trying to do. It's the point, the point that matters, and it's, it's not. God's still on his throne. You know, I remember when, when uh, that tornado in Joplin hit, and we were out there ministering, and we saw great devastation, and, and some of the people that would come up, and they were so upset, so heartbroken, and so hurt, and some of these people would come to the place that we had kind of called ground zero, where the tornado had just ripped through this big area, and, and they would say, well, you know, where was God when all this was happening? And we had to minister to those people and honestly say, God was where he always is. He was on his throne. Well, if he's such a loving God, why would he allow this to happen? If I could answer that, you'd probably be talking to God. I couldn't answer that for them. It was a horrible devastation. And we've told some of the stories that we've seen when we were there and some of the stories that we've heard. And you guys have all seen those news things, but what you know, people did. They asked, where was God? Where he's always been on his throne. But what you'd seen is a community coming together. What you've seen out there were people ministering and helping other people. And you really saw God's heart probably in that way that you would never ever have seen it in any other way. And it was an amazing thing to see. 
And so God is always on his throne, no matter what circumstance of our life we go through, no matter what great storm blows through our town or even our lives, God's always where he's been is on his throne and and loving you. It tells us that Eli was a large man. Well, he probably got that way from eating the meat from the sacrifices and, and leading a very sedentary life. And this may be a warning for someone here today or for some of us here today. Maybe you're eating and feeding on the meat of Scripture, but you're not active in your faith. And you find you're getting sedentary. You just kind of sit back and watch. And that's a scary place to be. And so here we just kind of sit back in in ministering. We sit back and we watch ministry just take place while others are doing all the work. And it's dangerous. And so it says here also that his eyes are bad that he can't see very well. And again, there are some of those Christians who just sit and don't see God at work because of why? Well, because the spiritual glasses, they, they don't have their trifocals on, in a sense. Those spiritual glasses are, have been neglected. They, they maybe have got a lot of fingerprints on them. They're a little foggy. Things aren't good. But their life... And that their spiritual life has been a little neglected and they can't see God working around them. They have no idea when God works around them. They give up. And so Eli's just sitting back kind of lackadaisical. And the messenger comes and says, Eli, your worst dreams have just taken place. Your worst dreams have just become real. Your sons are dead and the ark has been captured. Now, Eli's doing something that, you know, most of us as parents tell our children not to do. Don't lean back in your chair. You're going to fall over. And that's what he's doing. He's leaning back in his chair. He's a big dude. He's leaning back in his chair. He hears the news of his son's dying. But yet, what kind of tips the scale is the ark being captured. He falls over and he dies. Why? Why? You might ask. Well, it's a bit interesting. It's because God's glory departs. Because God's glory departs from Israel. And many people will say, the glory. I want the glory. I hear Christians saying that all the time. I want the glory, man. I just want God's glory. Do you really know what that means? Do we really understand? Because if we say, I want God to be glorified in my life, do we really understand what that means? Do we know how that's going to happen and how that will take place? Leave this chapter with me. And let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. Keep your finger in 1 Samuel. Turn to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So here, it says, Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So you might say, whoa, wait a minute. What does that say? That if we live according to what, we will what? We'll die. Doesn't that sound like what you sow, you will reap? If you plant watermelon seeds, you're going to grow oranges? No. Yeah, any kid knows that. Go over to the children's ministry and test that. Go ask a kid, hey, if I plant orange seeds, what's going to grow? And if they say tomatoes, you need to teach your kids something. But they should say oranges. What did Eli do? He was told over and over again to change the condition and position of your sons. Eli, 
Change the condition and the position of your sons. Let's get back to the duties of the priesthood as I, God, says. Do it the way I wrote it and everything will be good. Be obedient. Isn't it funny how sometimes as people, as Christians, we tend to have an instruction book, we read it, and yet we decide to do things our own way. But we want to tweak it a little bit. We want to change it up. And sometimes that little bit of a change will throw you completely off course. For example, if you wanted to fly someplace across the world and you just tweaked one degree, you'll miss your destination by miles. You'll be so lost, so confused, not understanding how that happened. Just one degree. And so sometimes we do that with just one little thing, Lord. I just, I, you know, I know what it says, but just this one little thing. And sometimes Christians do that. We, we think that it's okay. I had a friend one time, we went, um, we went snowboarding, and we were up on, on the mountain, and, and it was when I was living in um, Albuquerque, and we went up on this mountain, and um, we are hanging out, and he, we met, met up with some friends at mid-mountain, and, and one of them was whispering to him, and I heard him say, yeah, I'll do it. And I thought, man, what's he going to do? He goes, I'll be right back. I'll meet you back up here. Just wait. And so I said, okay. So we put the boards in the snow. And what you normally do is we hook up a couple of boards together and slip our, our parkas over them and, and make rest like a chair. And we kick back. We were eating lunch. And all of a sudden, here comes my buddy with a couple of more guys. And I'd asked him, I said, well, how, those guys didn't have tickets. How'd they get up? He's like, man, he goes, I took, we had a friend called Freshy. And he's like, I took Freshy's ticket. And went down and got another guy and brought him up and gave him his ticket. And I remember sitting there going, dude, you can't do that. That's, that's stealing. He goes, yeah. He goes, I felt horrible. He's just like, you know, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to bring this guy up here and, and so we could minister and have a Bible study. And I was like, man, I, I don't think you wanted us to do it illegally. And um, he was like, and then, you know, he justified it. He goes, well, you know, it's not really stealing. The price of these lift tickets are robbery anyway. So, and I was like, yeah, but that, that doesn't, that's no fair. I had another guy one time that I knew that was working for a cable company. And he just kind of decided, well, instead of me buying cable, I'll just go ahead and hook this thing up to my house and I'll, I'll bootleg it or pirate it. Still stealing. Indirectly, it's still stealing. And so it's kind of like going back to saying, well, you know, I smoke weed and it doesn't, it doesn't bother anyone, doesn't hurt anyone. Well, sure it does. Hey, when you purchase that, somebody gets the money for that, and though it's illegal, it, you might indirectly be responsible for the murder that took place at the border to get that over the border, to get that into this country. Indirectly, you're responsible for kind of that little bit of a murder, if you know that. We're responsible for what we know. Now that you know that and you're smoking weed and you think it's okay, it's not anymore for you. Never was. But so indirectly, we do things kind of weird, kind of in this thing. And yeah, we are responsible for what we know. Indirectly, Eli was responsible for his sons. Oh, hey, they're grown kids. I can't control them. Did you warn them? Yeah. Did you kick them out of the priesthood like you were supposed to? Well, who would we get as priests? Well, God would probably choose someone else. They had a bunch of other priests ministering in the temple as well at that time. So he was told over and over to change the condition and the position of your sons. 
Let's get back to the duties of the priesthood, the way God wrote those things. As Christians, let's get back to the duties that we're supposed to do as Christians. Sometimes we get back to the duties that we want to do for our own lives, that comfort, that, oh, I'll do it later. See, there's supposed to be a little fervor and a little fight in your heart, and it's not there is what God's telling him. It's not there. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Right? Look at verse 14 of Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. In verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Watch this, verse 16. The Spirit himself himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, here we go, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. I want the glory. I want the glory. Really? How do you get the glory? Suffer with him. With who? Jesus Christ. That we may also be glorified together. Remember, you can work for the Lord or you can work to the Lord. What do we do? We work to the Lord. Not for the Lord. We work unto the Lord. Because he says, if you do anything, you do it to me. If you serve, if you slave over a hot stove as part of your ministry, whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. You do it to the Lord. Not for the Lord. I mean, part of that is, yeah, we do it for him, but... We can't just do it for him. Hophni and Phineas did stuff for the Lord. The people saw them as doing stuff for the Lord. And so what suffering and glory, they're synonymous. They go hand in hand. You and I as Christians will suffer when we surrender what? Our flesh. It's hard. It's hard to sacrifice what we want to do with what we need to do. Well, when we sacrifice and we do that, we, you and I as Christians will suffer when we surrender our flesh to those earthly desires. Those worldly desires, as we read a few weeks ago on that Wednesday night, that first Wednesday night in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Those earthly desires, those desires of the world. We should want those desires to be crucified to the cross, Right? We should say, Lord, we want these desires to be crucified to the cross with your son, Jesus Christ, and I may walk according to the Spirit, that your Spirit becomes my Spirit. That is what is supposed to happen. That is what I'm supposed to want. We all talk about wanting to be Christ-like. Oh, I want to be more like Jesus. It sounds cool. sounds holy and spiritual. You say it in the right context. People, oh, man, he's so humble. He's so spiritual. But do you really? Can you really? Do you know what that entails when you want more of the glory? You want more of the glory? Well, you're going to get more of the suffering. We should want those desires. And we should need those desires to be crucified with Jesus Christ. The desires to be more spirit-filled, more like Jesus Christ. It's a great desire to have, but those earthly and fleshly desires need to be crucified. But what happens instead, we don't realize that our lives are being looked at. That we're supposed to be the leaders in the community when it comes to Christian morality. Because we don't really see that we really don't see the need for that devotion. We're really not that devoted to the things of God. We're more devoted to jobs, more devoted to other things than we really are 
seriously when you think about it. Are we really devoted to Jesus Christ and what he wants? If you have the same devotion to Jesus as you had to your job, I always say that if you think about that, what do you think your spiritual life would be? How do you think that would be? Yeah, you can take it all to work with you, and you can make that job that you need to earn a living, to support your family, to support missions, to support your church, to support whatever ministry God has called you to support. You can use that money. That's cool. But are we really that devoted to Jesus the way we are to a job? I mean, I have to ask myself that every single day. How am I going to devote what I'm doing for the glory and exaltation of God? How can can this exalt God? So, we tend to overlook our devotion. And when it comes to Christian morality, we need to be those leaders because we don't really see that we have a need, and we really do. And so we tend to make decisions without spending time with the Lord. We tend to forget about him sometimes in some of those decisions. We tend to get the, I want. That's better than the other thing, but how do you know the other thing isn't what God wanted you to have? And then all of a sudden, you know, those people who basically put themselves in a coffin and nail it shut and then start screaming, God, why did you allow that to happen? That's insanity. That's crazy. We, we get ourselves in places and we all of a sudden want God to bail us out. And because we make decisions without consulting the Lord, he just becomes kind of an, an it to us. It, you know, a church. I love it. It's where I go. It's what I do. Instead of it being a very real and living thing, after a while we lose our focus so much so that the glory is gone. And when the glory is gone, we know, well, we start to walk according to the flesh. Oh, we tend to forget about that. We start to do the things that the world starts to do, our our religious routine. It becomes a religious routine, everything that we do. Well, you know, it's a devotion. I've got to get up in the morning and have this, and it becomes a routine. We don't take God or his word serious, and then the next thing you know, we're dead and the glory departs. Now, you may not be physically dead, laying on your back with a flower in your hand, waiting for somebody to carry you off to bury you, but spiritually you may be dead. So what were we created for? Well, were we not created to be a vessel of honor? Well, we weren't created to be a vessel of dishonor. We were created for God's pleasure. What would bring pleasure to God? Doing His will. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, 
We'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.